what up what up everybody welcome to the dennis and friends podcast a place where my friends and i talk about whatever we want to talk about whatever interests us or what's going on in life and around the world my name is dennis i'm the host of this podcast this is episode number six the second episode this week actually today we are back with more nfl playoff content for your feed we're gonna break down the absolute insanity that was divisional weekend this past weekend with four amazing games and we're going to look ahead to conference championship sunday this weekend which has a very high bar to reach because of how good this weekend was today i'm pleased to be joined once again by the legendary man himself who's been with me the last couple weeks taco josh 114 aka josh Nahosa. say what's up dude how's it going everybody and we are also joined today by another great friend a guy who i have actually not met in person yet but hoping to change that soon and we met through josh and we play video games with each other all the time great guy loves sports he's from the atl atlanta and he's a quarterback he's literally on a pro football team he is now on the tucson sugar schools in the indoor football league just signed with them not too long ago so it is an honor to have the justin arth here with us today what's up dude what's up what's up let's definitely change that in-person meeting (laughs) Yes, very soon. Once you get back down to Texas. Oh, it'll be soon. Let's get into it, fellas. We have a lot to get through, so we got to kind of get through this with some pace, but we'll see how it goes. We're going to start by talking about the four games from this past weekend in chronological order and coincidentally in order of excitement, even though they're all really exciting. So let's start with Titans and Bengals, which ended up with the Bengals winning on a last second field goal. Justin, you're the first time guest. You're starting this off. All right. Yeah. I mean, you look at this Titans Bengals game. I think it was too many mistakes by Tennessee. I mean, the Bengals did what they needed to do to get a win. The three interceptions for Tannehill, the, the fourth and one on the Bengals 35, they made too many mistakes. Uh, and then we talk about play calling. I mean, we kind of talked before uh, we started this about play calling and I mean, they could have ran Ryan Tannehill a lot more. I mean, you look at, what Tennessee did. I mean, yes, Derrick Henry's coming back from injury, but Dante Foreman, uh, four carries, 66 yards, solid, but 20 carries for 62 yards for Derrick Henry, not enough. Ryan Tannehill didn't run the football enough, three carries, 12 yards. I mean, Tannehill, 15 of 24, 220, not bad, but three interceptions. And then uh, Bengals forced, what is it, like four turnovers? Then you look at the Bengals, that Joe Burrow, game of his life, Money McPherson, four field goal kicks in that type of weather in uh, Tennessee there. Pretty impressive day uh, for for Cincinnati. Uh, But the turnovers were were big for Cincinnati too. It was definitely an interesting game for sure. Tannehill definitely got outplayed. But one of the things I look at, I mean, if you're Tennessee, you had, what was it, nine sacks? You got to find a way to to win the game. If you're getting nine sacks, you just have to. There's no two ways about it. Also, Tennessee on third downs, not good. I think they converted one for eight is what this is telling me. And that's just not good enough to win an NFL playoff game Nope. against a team. That's like a pretty good team. I feel comfortable saying the Bengals are a pretty good team. They're one of the final four right now. Tennessee at the end of the day was just not good enough. Tannehill had a brutal game. Burrow played exceptionally well. I thought field goals win championships. This was once again, proven here by what was his name? Money McPherson. Unbelievable kicker. The uh, the gonads on that man, just unbelievable. He's a rookie. I mean, that's not. I mean, the pressure on that is just unbelievable. So the fact that he's doing what he's doing in his rookie season in the playoffs in Cincinnati is not an easy place to kick, and Tennessee in the fairly cold is not a super easy place to kick. So shout out to Money McPherson, Tennessee. At the end of the day, defense played very well. I thought even with Burrow kind of lighting him up. I thought Tennessee's defense played pretty well. 
but not good enough at the end of the day. Not surprised by Burrow's poise. We've seen it since his days at LSU. We've seen it this year a lot, just the way that he handles himself and in the midst of getting sacked nine times, which is a record or tied a record, if I remember correctly, he handled himself really well. And just the confidence and the swagger that he has, it really has changed that team, that franchise for the better. I and mean, you can see it in just the way that they played, even though, you know, they weren't firing on all cylinders like they usually are. I mean, statistically, their guys had good games like Jamar Chase, 109 yards on five catches. T Higgins, 96 yards on seven catches. It was almost 71 yards on seven catches. Mixon had uh, over 100 yards between running and passing, but just the way that they were able to grind it out. They haven't had to grind it out this year because they can just outscore teams but they grinded it out in the most important game of their season so far. And that was really good to see from them, especially because, you know, they're so young position wise, coach wise, just the development of this core of their team. It was cool to see it come to display in this way against the number one seed at the expense of Josh's, uh, you know, diehard team in the league. Yeah, man. Diehard Titans fan since like, (laughs) November. But you look at this Bengals team too. I think that was the last box they had to check. Can they grind out a win? They did. I mean, they you can did. see they can win shootouts. They say you you can now see they can win defensive grinded out type games. This team's dangerous. Yeah, I'm not counting them out on Sunday, that's for sure. Anything else on this game? Uh yeah. I want to talk about the play calling for a second. The fourth and one call at near the end of the game on the 30, 35 is brutal. Yeah, that's, 35. That's gotta be I mean, I don't play football, obviously, and you do, Justin, so maybe you can talk into that. That's got to be a QB sneak, right? Yeah, that has to be a QB sneak. I mean, the only other thing you can do is with a a healthy Derrick Henry, give him the football and let him run over six, seven guys and then just fall forward. All you got to do is get the ball and fall forward. You're six foot four. You're getting first down. Uh, But no, I mean, they're... The only other thing you could possibly do is, and that's this is a little more risky, but run a read option with Tannehill. Allow him to... Put your, put your fastest running back in the game. Don't even put in uh, Derrick Henry. Fastest RB in the game. Read the defensive end. Make the right read. Get the first down. Slide. Go for a field goal. Get a touchdown. Whatever. Keep the drive alive. But no, I mean, it's it's got to be. Uh, I mean, it's got to be QB sneak there. Quick question before we move on to the next game. And I just thought of it. Is Tannehill the quarterback of the Titans next season? Considering all the stuff with certain guys, is he still there in September? I think so. I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you look at, um, I mean, and this is a situation I'm in as an NFL undrafted free agent trying to get into the league and, and all that too. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks in the league that are retiring. You look at the quarterbacks in the league that are elite and you're starting to get to a level where there's maybe really only five or six elite guys now and everybody else is just collecting a paycheck and above average at best. I personally really like Ryan Tannehill, the swagger he brings, but you get a little Kirk Cousins out of him. And Kirk's a guy that I like too. You have to say, okay, is he the guy that's going to win you a Super Bowl? Maybe not. But then again, you've seen it with Jimmy Garoppolo. He can get you there. Um, So the biggest thing is how much of a salary cap is he going to commit to taking? from the Titans, uh, which he's got a contract through what? 2023, 2024. He's got an opt out after 2023. I'm looking at it. And then he is with the option. He's through 2025, but there's an opt out after next season. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at that and Tannehill's definitely the guy next year. Uh, maybe you reevaluate next year. You look at the Minnesota situation with Kirk cousins, even Atlanta with Matt Ryan, there's guys that they're all solid 
and borderline elite level guys, but they're not going to be the ones that step up in the prime time, like the Burroughs, like the Josh Allen's and Patrick Mahomes that we're going to talk about later. Okay. Let's talk about the next game that happened later that night. The very ugly game of 49ers and Packers at Lambeau that ended up with the Niners winning 13 to 10 on a Robbie Gold field goal because field goals win championships. The word, yeah, the word of this podcast when it comes to NFL playoffs, as Josh and I have said multiple times the last two weeks, brutal. Josh, why don't you start on this one? This to me was the worst game of the four. And that's, I mean, it's, tough right because all four games were incredible or at least close this game kind of sucked if we're being honest with ourselves the Packers it looked like the Packers had it right they ran it they scored on the first one or on their first possession and then it was I believe Mercedes Lewis fumbled on the second possession and that to me just took the air out of the sails and Green Bay just wasn't really able to uh recover after that like I don't know what happened like you would think of fumble on the second drive with Aaron Rodgers, you'd be able to figure it out to a certain extent. And they just did not. Yeah. They just did not figure it out at all. And not, this is a bad thing. Rodgers was very dependent on Aaron Jones and Devonte Adams. They had 18 receptions combined between the two of them. The rest of the team had two receptions. And one of those was the Mercedes Lewis fumble in the second possession. And that's pretty indicative of the Packers, though, I feel like throughout the year, they're very reliant on Jones. They're very reliant on Adams. Rodgers played well. He didn't play well enough, but I think he outplayed Garoppolo for sure. The Niners did not play well at all, in my opinion. But what do you think, Justin? Yeah, I mean, I think this game is weather and defense. Um, and then let's talk about special teams, too. I mean, I think special teams, like you said, Josh, won the game for San Francisco. Um, I'll go on record and say with how momentum went, San Francisco won this game. Uh, in my opinion, whenever they blocked the field goal going into half. Um, I think that's what really changed momentum. Yeah, San Francisco didn't score until the third quarter and then went on that 10-point spread in the fourth quarter. Offensively, they didn't score a touchdown all game. Uh, so, And they still won the football game. Uh, and so you see what they can do in Dallas, uh, putting, putting on the Kyle Shanahan offensive dream team like 2016 Atlanta Falcons. Uh, and then they can go grind out a game like this. I mean, I think that's what Jimmy Garoppolo is meant to do, but this defense was, was good, was solid. Uh, Packers defense was solid. Uh, but I think the two things that really kind of gave this game away was the Packers sputtering on offense and special teams, whether you want to say it's green Bay special teams being absolutely terrible and you need to fire the special teams coordinator or San Francisco just playing with their heart on fire. And that game was probably the worst of the weekend, but it's still a three-point last-second field goal to win the game. To me, you can say Green Bay's special teams lost this game, but at the end of the day, you got to score more than 10 points at home. You just have to. Exactly. You're Aaron Rodgers. You, got, you just have to find a way to score more than 10 points, and you have to find a way to score more than three points on your final possessions, not including the first possession. Like it's just gotta happen. So the special teams, it looks bad. It does the blocked field goal, the blocked punt, that's 10 points right there. But if you are Aaron Rodgers and you want to be considered one of the best of all time, these are the games people remember. It's the big one. It's the playoff games. And this was, it was a real stinker for green Bay offensively. But we could ask this too. I mean, how much of it, is the fact that the Packers are so reliant on Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. They have nobody else. And that's why Aaron Rodgers wants to leave or wanted to leave in the first place, right? 
they didn't give them any help. They didn't draft offensive linemen in like eight years. Uh, I mean, they only had two guys on offense that could do anything productive. I mean, uh, AJ, AJ Dillon did well whenever Aaron Jones was out for injury, but then he became a non-existent running back again. Not all good things end great. And I think Aaron Rodgers' career in Green Bay ended in a stinker. You bring up Dillon, Justin, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because the whole year I've just heard him being the cold weather back. He's their guy to go to when it gets cold. And he was, he did nothing. He had seven carries, 25 yards, absolutely nothing. Like you said, non-existent. It was just a weird slugfest. There was like a very odd tension throughout the game that like kind of went in and out. And then just the way that, you know, the Niners didn't score till the third and then 10 of their 13 points came in the fourth. Just unreal. Just a really, really odd game on so many levels. Since we're talking about quarterbacks, let's ask their, their Aaron Rodgers question. Justin, you already said that he's gone. Josh, do you think the same way? I think the decision comes sooner than people think because like teams just have to know your roster going into the draft. Like you have to know, am I drafting a quarterback or do I have Aaron Rodgers? Cause that's a pretty big addition. And that contract is not small. Like Rodgers is still getting paid. So there's some salary cap stuff you have to work around. I don't know, man. Like I honestly, I think his best shot at winning might be in green Bay but I don't know if he views that as his best shot of winning. Well, see, I, I would kind of differ there. Um, I mean, let, let's first look at the, uh, the Packers caps, the cap for next year, uh, did some research beforehand. The, the Packers before getting rid of Aaron Rodgers or any cuts or uh, to save money or anything, they're $45 million over the cap. Aaron Rodgers is 38 years old. They don't have a very good draft pick and they don't have a lot of draft capital to, to begin with. Um, and you look at teams like Denver, for example, uh, that I know that's kind of the easy answer to kind of say, but Denver has two or three solid receivers and money to spend. They can get out of Teddy Bridgewater's contract. They can get out of Drew Locke's contract. It's open for them. They have running backs there. The offensive line's decent, not amazing, but it's equal to what he had in green Bay. I think pro football focus put Denver's O-line like one or two spots ahead of green Bay's. And Denver's defense, even without Vaughn Miller, is still amazing. And then you look at that division, it's going to bring the best out of Aaron Rodgers having to face Justin Herbert twice a year, having to face uh, Patrick Mahomes twice a year, and Derek Carr. The thing is, yes, it's harder uh, if he goes over to Denver, uh, but I think it's all set up for him kind of similar to the Peyton Manning era. I think Green Bay can completely reset their roster with a trade here. Uh, I was looking at some trades and and I'm seeing at least two or three uh, first round picks in the deal, uh, including the ninth overall pick in this year's draft. And it could very well be a draft day trade too. I feel like a potential trade between like Indy and Green Bay could make sense. A la mm -hmm. Stafford Goff, maybe more upscale between Wentz and Rodgers. I wouldn't say it's probably going to happen, but I do think that is within the realm of possibility as a team he lands on. Indy cannot be thrilled with Wentz, but I don't know. We'll see. I completely agree. I think the Colts are a better destination for Aaron Rodgers, but you also look at how much draft capital do they have and what do they have really to give up? Um, so, I mean, this could definitely be a, 
a whole hour and a half long podcast just talking about where Aaron Rodgers is going to go in a week or two. Because I've got three, four, five teams that Rodgers could go to easily without doing any of the research on the salary cap and and all that. There's there's a lot of teams Aaron Rodgers could go to. Cleveland would be another. I mean, do you get rid of the Baker Mayfield project and send him to Green Bay and say, hey, uh, you loved Brett Favre. You got drafted in jorts. Go be Brett Favre now. Nah, dude. The Colts are going to stay committed to Sam Ellinger. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Stranger things have happened, Dennis. Let's keep it going. Let's talk the better day of the two days. Sunday, we're going to kick it off with Rams, Bucks, 30 to 27. The Bucks almost came back. Well, they did. They tied the game and then they decided not to play defense the last possession on Cooper Cup, which, you know, that's probably a thing you should do. You know, like most people, like in the middle of the game, you're like, okay, you think it's over. But I had a hunch from the middle of the second quarter. I was watching it in and out. I was like uh, dropping somebody off at the airport. So I like wasn't watching the whole first half. But once I saw the score and realized like the circumstance, I just had a hunch from the beginning that Brady was going to come back because I know watching him previously that he has the capability. And the last time that he was in that, I said, no, there's no way he comes back. And that was, sorry, Justin, at the expense of your Atlanta Falcons. I doubted that he would come back during the game and he did. So I wasn't going to doubt him this time. And I'm glad it didn't because it turned out to be a very exciting ending. Lenny did not do so hot coming back from injury and also surprised that they didn't roll out anybody else considering they had two of their backups play last week and they literally kept it to Lenny. I mean, he had two touchdowns, um, including the one that tied to the game, but overall not like a great, great game for him. Mike Evans, really awesome game. I mean, he's been their stud all year. Gronk and maybe his last game as a buck, he might be gone, but he had a, a solid game. Lenny had a good game in the air. Scotty Miller, Josh's boy. Funny man. Yep. He is your boy. Exciting ending, but at the end of the day, Stafford just came out and and had something to prove. You could tell he had that chip on his shoulder. I love the way that he executed that last drive. I mean, Cup had an amazing game. Nine catches, 183 yards. Odell had a solid game. Their defense really got to Tom in the first half, and that really set the tone for the entire game, even though, you know, they had some mistakes. They had fumbles on offense. They had, you know, turnovers on defense, things like that. It was strange for a little bit, but it was uh, a good ending for sure. My fantasy kicker, Matt Gay, came through at the end with that game winner. So Matt Gay, but straight through the uprights. You said it, not me. Hit me up, Matt Gay. I got your marketing down for you, dude. Justin, what do you think about this game? I would actually say that Leonard Fournette had a solid game. I mean, you look, they were down 27 to three. So the way you're going to come back in the football game is to throw the football 54 uh, attempts for Tom Brady Fournette still had nine catches for 56 average 3.9 a carry and two touchdowns. I, I think that's a pretty solid game for what you're asking Fournette to do in this offense. But the big thing that I want to say is I, I think we've kind of all gotten past the 28 to three now. Uh, there's a 27 to three lead that's been blown. Uh, Georgia's won a national championship in, in college football. The Atlanta Braves have won a championship and are won the world series. Uh, Matthew Stafford is a Texas boy, but played at the university of Georgia. I think the curse is done. So I think we can drop 28 to three. Now this is just a Tom Brady thing. We could just experience the greatness of Tom Brady. I hated him. Now I don't, I work with him. <laughs> so it, you, you kind of, 
can't hate them now. I, I would love to say the Rams are in trouble because they blew the lead and then came back and won it. But no, I mean, I, I think there's something that we like to call the Brady effect. And I think the Brady effect works two ways. Uh, the Brady effect on his own team allows guys to rally with him um, and allows those comebacks and allows guys to be naturally greater than what they usually are because Brady makes them better. But then the Brady effect on the other side of the football is, you know, Tom Brady's playing against you. And if you've got a 28 to three lead, if you've got a 27 to three lead, or if you've got any lead in general, the team starts to press too much and makes simple mistakes. And you saw that from the Rams and, and, and you kind of see that kind of Kyle Shanahan type play calling again, even from Sean McVay, where you saw it in the Super Bowl too, with the Rams against Brady, they got too conservative, uh, but McVay kind of smarted up towards the end and was able to kind of allow Stafford to go to work and Stafford had the hot hand and, and made plays. But I think this game's really ultimately the Brady effect and the Brady curse may be gone. I want to, I mean, Brady, obviously elite, let a great comeback. I want to talk about Stafford for a minute because he played well with basically no running game. I don't think of Matt Stafford as one of those top tier guys that can win you a game. I mean, he keeps you in a game, but very rarely, in my opinion, is Stafford the reason you are winning games. I, he sure helped. Him and Cup as a duo were unbelievable this game uh, at the expense of Antoine Winfield, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Wah, wah, wah. And Todd Bowles being dumb as a defensive coordinator. Stafford balled out, though. I mean, he was really good. Yeah, well, we'll see, that's the thing. I, I kind of differ in the opinion. I think Stafford's one of those elite guys that can go win you a game. Uh, he's just kind of needed the play calling around him. I feel bad for the Bucks defense. Antoine Winfield, love the kid. He's going to be great. But I, I think Stafford went out and won that game. Uh, McVay learned. And the team, I think, is going to be very dangerous. And we'll talk about the running game later when we preview the matchups for the NFC Championship because I've got a lot to say about what the Rams need to do to win this game. But it's, but it's very 2016 Falcons-esque um, coming from a Falcon fan. I mean, this team looks very promising. Is that Brady's last game? I don't think so. I think he's got one more year. Less likely than last week when I predicted that, but I think he still has one more year. I'll bring in some insider information from from the legend Tom House himself. Tom has consistently said, uh, Tom Brady, speaking to Tom House, uh, has consistently said, I want to be the first quarterback to play the 50 years old. The only thing that concerns me and what he even texted Tom before uh, the game yes, or the game on Sunday was, I'm nervous about this offensive line. So I think Brady at least waits to see what they do on the offensive line because I think the team's good. They need to be able to move salary cap a little bit. But if they can improve the offensive line, stay healthy and keep Brady upright, I have no doubt that he'll play to 50. But at the same time, if they don't improve it, I think he comes back for one more year, but if they don't, he's already made comments about he's wanting to be a good husband and a good father. Um, and he's already got the TB 12 method uh, set up for his business after, uh, let alone he's married to Giselle. So everything's set up for him. The retirement phase, Gronk will go with him wherever he goes. I think Brady gives it at least one more year, uh, but a lot of that's so dependent on what they do on the offensive line. Uh, we talked about the offensive line. We didn't talk about it earlier, but the injury to Tristan Wirfs, real yeah. for them. I mean, that is Brutal. a, that is a big blow to that offensive line. And I think it showed in this playoff because he, I mean, he was under duress, I think more than he would have liked. I would say, I mean, he just led the league in passing y'all. Like he's got a Probably lot of this year's league MVP. 
Yeah, I, he's got a lot of good years left in him. Maybe not a lot. I would say he's got three or four good years in him if he wants. Like yeah. e- truly elite years. And then maybe falls off a little bit towards the end when he's getting closer to 50. I don't know. It'll be very interesting because I do think that the family thing and his kids growing up without him really there four months a year, I do think that's a serious thing that he's like, is this worth it? But I also think he's probably addicted to the competition, if we're being honest. No, it wouldn't, supr- it wouldn't surprise me either way. I, I think he's got another year, um, or if not more, but I, I still wouldn't be surprised if he does hang it up. Is this Gronk's last year, though? I think it is. I don't know. I go back and forth on that one. The only quarterback, oh, he, he said it, the only quarterback he ever wants to catch passes from is Brady. So if Brady decides he's coming back, Gronk comes back. Uh, he's obviously younger, but he's taken more of a beating than Brady has. So I, I think Gronk will stay as long as Brady does. And if they, and if he does leave, I mean, they still have Cameron Bray. Uh, they still have OJ Howard. They'll, they'll be fine. Gronk's 32. I think Gronk feasibly could play another three years. He'll probably have to change his style a little bit, but I could see feasibly Gronk playing to 35, at least another two to 34. But if Brady retires, he's done. And then that whole Bucks team just becomes completely different. I, I would imagine a lot of their guys don't come back. Godwin probably doesn't come back at that point. I know he's hurt, so he's not going to come back till later in the year anyway, but he's a free agent because they franchise it, uh, tagged him. So I don't know if he comes back. Let's say this, you, you lose the Gronk money, you lose the Brady money, a new number 12 in Tampa. Oh, oh, I like the way you think. Do we think he would though? You think you want to be coached under Arians? I, I think they would rub too much, but that's a team that's going to win a Super Bowl. See, I thought that Brady and Arians would rub too much, but do you think Rogers wants to play and be thought of as uh, Brady's leftovers? Like he's just taking, because that's a part of it too. Yeah, but Aaron Rodgers doesn't give any FC anyway. Uh, his legacy is going to be his legacy, so he can do what he wants. Pretty good game, though, I will say. Now let's move on to not only the best game of the weekend, not only the best game of the playoffs so far, but is it fair to say the best, one of the best NFL games we've ever seen in our lifetimes? Because I think so. I don't know about you guys. Oh, most definitely. So let's talk about this crazy game. Justin, you started off. You look at this Bills-Chiefs uh, game. I mean, it was... First, it was kind of like, all right, what, what's happening at 7-7, 14-14, and then it's 21-21, uh, whatever. And then come fourth quarter, it's the battle of the gunslingers. I mean, it's, it's what we thought the game would have been. Uh, but it took a while to get to that point. You look at Josh Allen, you look at Patrick Mahomes, and neither one of those quarterbacks, or really neither one of those teams really deserved to lose that game. Uh, it, it was a game that you wish could end in a tie. They could go on and like in European football, they go play a second leg for an aggregate score. I mean, the, <laughs> these offenses were truly a track meet. Patrick Mahomes showed off the speed that a lot of people didn't think he had uh, running around for seven carries, 69 yards and a tutty. Michael Hardman, amazing. Uh, but you got to see more out of Clyde, uh, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, my guy on fantasy, I've had him, t- had him two years in a row, love him. But you've got to see more out of the running game for Kansas City. Uh, but in a game like this, you don't need it. I think the real thing coming out of this game is we need to change the overtime rules. Overtime rules need to be changed. I've got my ideas. Um, They're very similar to what Drew Brees uh, tweeted the other day right after the game. Josh Allen didn't deserve to lose this game, but uh, Chiefs-Bills, rivalry that we're probably going to talk about for the next decade. 
this was a rivalry I don't think people <laughs> thought was going to happen. Like if you were like five years ago, hey, Chiefs, Bills, big time rivals in like five years. You would have been like, what are you, are you talking like, about? What? Excuse me? Are you high? Am I high? Are we high? <laughs> Collectively? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, what a game this was. So fortunately, I was able to watch this from start to finish. And that first drive where Buffalo went for it twice on two fourth downs and got both of them and scored a touchdown. And right then I was like, oh, it's game on. Like, we are not here to like mess around. Like Buffalo's in this to win it. And they know they're going to have to put up like 40 points to win. And so they were not settling for anything less than a touchdown on that first drive. That was a great game. That reminded me a lot of looking back at it. Now we were young, but the, uh, the Texas national championship against USC, because that game was, that's a great comparison. That game was balls to the wall from the opening kick. And this game had that very similar feel of like, it wasn't high scoring in the first half, but you were like, oh, this is going to be like a classic game by the end. And it was. We were waiting for the game to explode. And it did. That last two minutes. Is that the craziest last two minutes we've ever seen in football? Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. And I've been to the Georgia-Oklahoma Rose Bowl game where that blew up. This game is, I think, the greatest football game of all time. So we talked about the uh, the Kansas City rushing. They, I mean, they rushed for 182 yards. Like, it wasn't bad. It was kind of distributed out amongst different players. Like, Hardman, yeah. a couple of big runs. I mean, if you take those away, the averages look a little bit worse. But, I mean, they averaged six yards a carry. Some of Mahomes carries probably weren't intentional. They were scrambles. I don't have that number in front of me. So if you take yeah, those all, away, the average is less. one, I think were scrambles. The rushing, it wasn't great. I don't think it was bad looking at it after the fact, even with, if you take out the scrambles and maybe a big McCole Hardman run that kind of popped, but both these quarterbacks, I mean, were insane. Yeah. Josh Allen played a perfect postseason, and he only played two games. So yeah. it's just a super bummer. The one thing that I wish we saw more of in this game, because the stars for Kansas city showed out. I mean, Tyreek had an incredible game. He threw up the deuces on that touchdown. Travis Kelsey had a great game. As far as Buffalo goes, I mean, Gabe Davis, unreal performance. But you look down the list, Dawson Knox, breakout year, only two catches for nine yards. Stephon Diggs, their guy, their number one guy, only three catches for seven yards. You know, circumstances, you know, they were probably doubling them and, and Gabe Davis, you know, was wide open on a lot of those plays. So I get that, but I wish there was a little more of that. I wish that would have been distributed out more, but for the benefit of Mr. Davis, he had an all-time performance. Just an absolute crazy game. I was doing something in the middle of this game, so I didn't get to watch as much as I wanted to. But anytime that I could in the middle of what I was doing, I was like locked in, especially that fourth quarter. And I got home right when the last two minutes started. The drama, all the stuff that happened was just so, it was, it felt like a blur looking back on it now. And it felt like it took a long time. It felt like it was a whole quarter, but it was literally 120 seconds of football. The one thing that people are, have been talking about a little bit this week on like sports media, sports TV is should the the Bills have done like a pooch kick, which I don't think it wouldn't have mattered. I think Mahomes is that good that he would have done it if he had like nine seconds and if they would have gotten like a decent run back on a pooch, they still would have gotten it. He was just that good. It was just meant to be. You know, it's real easy to look back and say like, oh, yeah, that should have pooched because that would have taken a couple seconds off the clock. Maybe that's one less play, whatever. But also you have to think about the flip side of that is on the off chance that, say, Tyreek Hill or Harden, you know, 
your best, fastest guys are out there and that pops for a touchdown, you look like an idiot. Why didn't he kick it through the back of the end zone? He has 13 seconds or whatever. You got to trust your defense to be able to hold him to under 40 yards or whatever that distance was to get to that field goal range. So I don't know. I, it's an interesting one because maybe it does take a couple seconds off the clock, but I don't know that it's necessarily worth the risk. I think you want to trust your defense in that situation because you have a really good defense. If you're Buffalo, I'll be yeah. gassed at that point. Both of these defenses were ranked one and two in two minute defense going into this game. One and two. The last two minutes, there's no explanation for it. There's really not. Mahomes showed up and then Allen showed up and then Mahomes showed up again and then Allen showed up and then Mahomes showed up and then there was a coin flip. So Mahomes showed up and then the game was over. Just a bonkers two minutes. Before we probably go in to talk about should the overtime rules be changed, to kind of answer the question there, Dennis, about why did Stefan Diggs not show up? Mike Hughes, a former teammate of Stefan Diggs in Minnesota, covered him the entire game. He went wherever Stefan Diggs went. He was number one corner. He's going to travel wherever Diggs went in motion because they pretty much just played a cover one shell the entire time just to follow yeah. Stefan. Um, and then you'd have safety help over the top every once in a while, depending on if they really wanted to play zone or man. But no, I mean, Mike Hughes, a uh, solid corner for Kansas City, obviously not one of the most elite corners, uh, but he's kind of got the home field advantage being a teammate and having to practice against him one-on-one -on -one in Minnesota and being able to now play against him now in the postseason. The Bills stars really needed to show up. They didn't. Uh, but let's talk about this too. I mean, uh, we for, failed to mention this earlier. Kansas City feels like a one seed, but both one seeds went down this week. First time since 2010 that that's ever happened. The AFC had, it felt like they had multiple one seeds. Like you could yeah. be like, yo, Kansas City's a one seed. You'd be like, okay, sick. Or you could have been like, yo, Buffalo's a one seed. You're like, cool. In Tennessee, you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So there's like don't know how, multiple don't know teams. How they did it, but they did it. Yeah, there's multiple teams in the AFC this year that were one seed capable. But yeah, it just worked out that Tennessee was a one seed. A quick little note before we briefly discuss the OT rules thing. Tyron Matthew, who got hurt on the very start of the game, just a little update. He is questionable for this weekend, has a chance to play good for Kansas City. All I have to say about the OT rule stuff is that it should have been changed a long time ago, way before even the Chiefs-Patriots game a couple years back. It should already be changed, so change it now, especially with one of the better games that the league has had ever, one of the best NFL games of all time, I would argue. For it to end in that way, you got to change it now or else it will never get changed. Would agree. I agree. Uh, but there is one thing to say uh, to kind of play devil's advocate too. Uh, uh, something I've heard as being a formula one fan, uh, you see how formula one ended this year with the Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen uh, issue and, and how the FIA did some sketchy things to only let five cars unlap themselves, things like that. Formula one's kind of gone by this, their entire 70 years of existence, any public or good publicity, bad publicity is still publicity. Um, and so the NFL seems to be kind of going towards that, that route. Um, they want someone to get on a talk show or get on a podcast like we are and talk about it. it's more clicks. It's, it's more clicks for them. It's more noticeable for them. Uh, but no, the, the overtime rule does need to be fixed. In my opinion, it, needs to be if team a gets wins the coin toss goes and scores a touchdown or a field goal team b has a chance to answer and then if they both answer and they're both tied then it's sudden death or just go to college overtime rules make it simple at a minimum in the playoffs you should get a chance to answer but yeah i would agree well crazy weekend i don't know if this weekend we'll be able to top it but speaking of this coming weekend let's talk about it now 
we have two games, two spots for the big game at SoFi in two weeks. First is the AFC game. The Bengals are going to Arrowhead on Sunday. Let me get the, the betting numbers here. The Chiefs are a seven and a half point favorite at home over under 54 and a half. Josh, you start. What do you think is going to happen in this game? I have doubted Burrow in the past and I still doubt Burrow. I think Mahomes is going to ball out. I think it's not that the moment's too big for Burrow. I think it's more the Chiefs have been here more recently than Cincinnati has, obviously, because Cincinnati first playoff win in 31 years. Like what Cincinnati has done is incredible, but I think top to bottom, the Chiefs are the better team. And first road playoff win for Cincinnati ever, right? Is that what the stat was? I believe so. I think it will be a good game. I do not think Burrow gets blown out, but I do think Kansas City finds a way. I think Kansas City's team is more complete. I do think, though, if Matthew is out or even not 100%, that is going to be a problem for Kansas City's defense. Cincinnati has a very, very good and explosive offense. And so any pieces that are out for Kansas City, I think, is a fairly significant blow. But I would still say Kansas City finds a way. Kansas City's offense is very, very good. And they can seemingly turn it on whenever they need to. So I'll go Kansas City. Was a spread there, Dennis? The spread is seven and a half, and the over oh, is fifty-four and a half. I would take Cincinnati on the spread, but I'll take Kansas City to win the game. I'll go Kansas City by four. I'm kind of with you, but I keep going back and forth. So for me, uh, I look at the swagger that Burrow has and that these young guys have with Cincinnati, and it's hard to bet against them. Um, I still don't think it's their time though. Um, but I still wouldn't be surprised if they win this game. You, all you got to do is look back to week 17's game. Burrow was down 14, nothing to Kansas city and came back and won 34 to 31. This team can beat Cincinnati or can beat Kansas city. I should say, uh, Cincinnati can beat Cincinnati too. This game is going to be, I think another great game. Uh, I don't like the spread at all. I think this is going to be less than a one possession game, the entire game. I, I, I see it going either way. You even look back at tw- in uh, week 17, Kansas city still had four sacks on burrow. They were up 14, nothing and allowed to come back. I think the biggest kind of X factor here is uh, Cincinnati's defense. Burrow is going to light up Kansas city's defense, but the defense for Cincinnati has to force turnovers. If they can force turnovers and the offense can run the football a little more effectively this week with Joe Mixon, they'll be able to neutralize that Kansas City crowd. I think uh, Cincinnati can go in and win this win this game. Uh, but with all that being said, I think Kansas City is a little too much. I think postseason Patrick Mahomes is a whole nother le- level. I think Joe Burrow will get a Super Bowl or two very soon. Uh, but I say Kansas City 33-30. Worth noting before you go into it, Dennis, that week 17 game, decided on a walk-off kick. So it almost feels like I will go on record. I think the chiefs win. I will be rooting very hard for Cincinnati. Same here. I think it comes down to this. There's no pressure for Cincinnati at all. They have nothing to lose because they are overachieving, which is good. They're growing a little faster than we all thought they were. I know that they want to win. Obviously like you're in the, in the game, you obviously want to win. But they have no pressure compared to Kansas City, who has been there before. You know, the way that they lost the Super Bowl last year still stings, you know. And I think for the Bengals, they're going to be like, all right, let's see if we can pull off something pretty miraculous here. My gut 
is telling me Cincinnati. I want to say Cincinnati wins this game so bad because they have the pieces to do it. Their defense has been progressively getting better every single week, and they have so much offensive firepower. It's insane. Even though they're young, you can't discount the fact that Jamar Chase has been incredible. You can't discount the fact that if you try to cover him and if you're successful at covering him, well, now you got to deal with T. Higgins. Now you got to deal with Tyler Boyd. Now you got to deal with C.J. Uzoma. Now you got to deal with Joe Mixon. And Joe is just so smart with such little NFL experience. He gets it. And I think last weekend kind of is their breakthrough of like being able to, to play with a new level of confidence and a new level of swagger. That being said, Pat Mahomes is Pat Mahomes. And much like Brady, I don't think I can go against them. I'm going to say Kansas City wins by two. Because let's get weird. Like you, Josh, I think I'm going to be rooting pretty hard for Cincinnati to win this game. But on record, I think Kansas City wins. It'll be really close. I know a lot of people were probably thinking like, oh, this could turn into like a, not a blowout, but it could be like a considerable gap. Bengals are just going to have a lot of swag going into the game. And they just have this like attitude starting at the top with their coach, with Zach Taylor, who I've really grown to like um, over the last few weeks just the, the culture that he's instilled. They're just going to come in and they're just going to do their thing. So we'll see what happens. The real question here, Dennis, is walk-off safety? <laughs> oh, well, imagine. <laughs> it, yeah, I doubt it, but stranger things have happened. You know, last weekend. Burrow has a tendency to roll out in ways that loses yards. So That's true. That is very true. We'll say normally home field advantage, pretty big thing in the playoffs. In my opinion, I don't know that home field is a big thing in this game. I mean, Kansas city, obviously very difficult to play in, but I think that burrow and chase and the rest of the Bengals can handle it. That is as close oh, to yeah. a college stadium as the NFL gets in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're going to be stunned by, I mean, they had to go into Bama at LSU. And you, you yeah. play in some tough stadiums in the SEC. I don't think this is going to be like a shocking thing for them. That title year, they played against Bama in Tuscaloosa and played in Austin against UT. Yeah. So I think they'll be fine. Moving on to the NFC title game, which is the night game on Sunday night. The Rams are at home against the Niners. The Rams are a three and a half point favorite on the spread over under 46 and a half. I'm just going to go ahead and say it because I'm going to be different. I love Devo and George Kittle too much to not go against them just out of personal preference. Obviously, I think the Rams are good. I have a lot of respect for them. I think Stafford has been on one, but I don't know. I just think it's going to be a weird game. This whole playoffs have been weird. This whole season's been weird and wide open. And I'm just going to say, let's get weird. Let's get even weirder. I think Debo is going to have a really great game. I expect him to have a really great game. I expect Elijah Mitchell to have a really solid game. I expect Garoppolo to not be an idiot, but I don't know if that'll happen. I have my doubts about that. I wonder with how the Rams blew the lead last week, doing that again at home, if it'll be more detrimental if they do that again. And I think it will. And it's not exactly home field for them either because there are going to be a lot of Niner fans that pull up to SoFi, just like they did in week 18. Well, have you seen what they're doing for the ticket sales? I know. They're like restricting it to to just LA people, which is crazy. I think they have stopped that now because of the backlash. But yeah. yeah, the initial is like, what are we doing here, y'all? Yeah, yeah, that was a little <laughs> sus, I will say. I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going to say the Niners win. They're going to win by probably like three. Imagine uh, Robbie Gold getting another game-winning field goal like he did last week. 
But like I said, let's get weird. Let's have fun. I'm going to say the Niners win. Not to say that I don't think the Rams can win because I think they will. And they probably will. But just for my sake, I'm going to go on record. I'm going to say the Niners win. I don't know. I go back and forth on this game. I think this game is a down-to-the-wire game also. The Niners have won like the last six against the Rams, have they not? Yeah. And I think like the defensive line for San Francisco is much better than the LA offensive line. And they've been elite. the last couple yeah. of weeks. And I assume Bosa is going to play. He's not on this injury report I'm looking at. I think that the defensive line being healthy for San Francisco keeps McVeigh from like being McVeigh, if that makes sense. It limits what he can do. Because part of the Rams offense is McVeigh is so creative. And that's not a knock on Stafford or not saying Stafford's not great or Cup isn't great or Odell, but they have a really good system. And I think that the Niners defensive line, for whatever reason, for San Francisco seems to have their number. It disrupts what they're able to do offensively. I'm going to go Niners by four. Wow. I don't know that the Rams are obviously very good, but I mean, we have past games like they have lost twice to this team this year. And they have not won against this team in two or three years. I don't see a way that that happens. I think that they will be more prepared. And the last game was a banger. It ended in overtime. I think it'll be San Francisco by three. I will say I think Stafford outplays Garoppolo. And I think San Francisco still wins. So you look at the last two games, 31 to 10, San Francisco. 27-24 San Francisco. Uh, you look at Matthew Stafford, six touchdowns, six interceptions in those two games. Matthew Stafford has not played well against this team, and it's because their defense disrupts the system that they run, as Josh kind of pointed out. I think Stafford is the big X factor here. I know I went and talked about how Stafford really proved that he's an elite guy. He can turn the narrative off of saying, okay, I can win a playoff game now. It's hard to beat a team three times in one season. I think San Francisco does it, but I think they only do it if they get Debo rolling. Kyle Shanahan coaches a game the way that he did in Dallas. If not, I think this is a track meet. And even though I like Jimmy Garoppolo, and even though I believe Jimmy Garoppolo could still be the quarterback in San Francisco next year, even though we all know he's not, I think the 49ers win this game. 26, 20. (laughs) I was not expecting this at all. (laughs) I totally expected both of y'all to pick the Rams, but here we are. Okay. We'll see what happens. All of them. It has every, every box that you could check of like, this has potential to be an upset San Francisco checks. That's true. That's fair. Jimmy Garoppolo just doesn't need to turn the football over. Be the game manager that he's been all season long. I saw something the other day. It was like Jimmy Garoppolo is 35 and 11 or something as the starting quarterback under Kyle Shanahan. And then every other quarterback is like a combined, like, six and 18 or something. Garoppolo gets the job done and how crazy it would be to know that he's getting replaced. But Hey, I took this team to two super bowls in three years. I think he gets it done as long as he doesn't turn the football over. Debo gets explosive plays outside the defense gets to Stafford. I think they win this game. I think Garoppolo is good enough to win. I keep going back to like Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl, right? You don't have to be an elite quarterback to win a Super Bowl. And I think Garoppolo is good enough to definitely to get you there. I mean, all four of these quarterbacks are good enough to get you to a Super Bowl. I think San Francisco's defense is going to be too much. That being said, I think the Rams still put up like 28, 30 points, but I think it disrupts the Rams offense enough that San Francisco can figure out a way to 
score some points. I'll go on record here and say if the Rams put 24 points on the board or more, the Rams win this football game. But if they don't, you, you look at the averages, they put 24 up on the 49ers in January when they lost in overtime, but they only put 10 up in November. Uh, so I think they need over 24 points or 24 points to win this football game. I don't think San Francisco is the type of offense, especially with how much they run the football in perfect conditions. I, I don't think they win the football game if it's a shootout. I think it's LA's game to win at that point, but they're going to trust their pass rush. They're going to trust their secondary. I mean, force Stafford to shut it down to Cam Akers. And hey, I didn't even talk about this yet. If the Rams get Cam Akers involved, then they actually have a shot to really put up points this game. Uh, they need to be able to control the game, not just try to go light it up in the air with Stafford. My number that the Rams have to get to, I think is a little bit higher than yours, but I do agree with the offense. I think my number is like 28 to 30. Like if you get to somewhere around 28, maybe 30, 31 points, I think that's enough. Like I don't trust that they're going to get to that number. Exactly. <laughs> so it'll be real interesting. <laughs> Before we wrap up for the night, let us talk about a couple little side pieces of NFL news. Let's start with Sean Payton first. He announced that he's stepping down as coach of the Saints, even though he's got a couple more years left on his deal. He's not going to coach this year, but the word is that he's probably going to take this year off and then try to jump back in next year. Who knows? What are y'all's thoughts on his decision? He'll do TV for two years and then go back to coaching. I think that's the progression. I think he'll be really good on TV. What network? I would I would agree with that. Uh, he's what NFC guy, so Fox. I don't know that they have a job for, it. and it could be a situation where they like call up Sean Payton and be like, "We will pay you five million dollars not to take a job at another network, and you can take your year off, and we can you know talk about it later, and you can come on next year, but just don't take a deal at CBS or NBC or NFL Network or whatever." I think that's a very real possibility, but I do think he winds up in a TV booth for a year or two before he returns to coaching. But I think he does eventually return to coaching. I, I honestly think that Sean Payton is only going to take one year off. I think it's funny the kind of path I'm going to give him. I think it's a very McCarthy-esque path. Um, I think he sits out a year, uh, takes some family time, living in Dallas, and he gets on back to take the Mike McCarthy job with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm crossing my fingers there because, you know, he likes his uh, six foot, 200 pound quarterback. Hey, 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 I'm right here. I'll go. I'll go be a cowboy. And I, I think Sean Payton only takes a year off, returns to coaching. And I think it's I, I think it can't be anywhere else but the Dallas Cowboys. It is interesting that McCarthy is a lame duck head coach now. I think it's time's up in the NFL uh, unless he's going to be a coordinator. I, I think it's time's up. I side with you, Justin. I think that's what's going to happen. Take one year off and then go go coach the boys. And maybe that'll make me like the Cowboys because I like Sean Payton a lot. And I used to semi like the Saints. Let's end with this. Uh, we talked about this off air right before we started recording. Justin has some news related to the infamous Antonio Brown, which I'll share <laughs> that today he announced or his legal team announced that they're going to sue the Buccaneers for defamation or whatever. But you have some insider stuff as to the background of why AB has been AB in the last couple of weeks with the exit uh, during the Jets game and all the drama that's happened since he left the Bucks. I'll let you break the news, Mr. Arth. Go ahead. So in conversations with Tom and 
uh, Tom house per se, not, not Tom Brady, uh, not that close to him yet, <laughs> but, but no, in conversations with Tom, uh, this past weekend at, at one of his camps, we were kind of getting to talking uh, kind of about the bucks matchup and, and, and all that. Um, and a lot of it was like, Hey, what's wrong with Antonio Brown? And, uh, Tom house was like, Hey, Tom doesn't give a crap about him anymore. He cares as a person for him. Um, but at this point, a lot of the situation had to deal with his mental issues that were kind of out in the open that you knew were there that he needed to get taken care of again. Um, but the fact that he said, Oh no, I'm good. And then made a big deal about the, the bonus. If he went to Brady, similar to Gronk saying, Hey, give me this catch. We're going to go do this. Then they're going to put him in and go get the catch, get your bonus. Don't go work a regular job as Gronk said, but you play around with an injury. Antonio Brown started to kind of say, Hey, get me in, get this catch as he's kind of playing around with an injury. They need him uh, to be explosive um, and, and a playmaker. And so it was kind of a conversation, a very heated conversation between Bruce Arians and uh, Antonio Brown because of going back in due to injury and, and all that. Bruce Arians was saying, Hey, wait, 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 we'll get you in so you can get this catch. Antonio Brown was kind of saying the opposite, but then kind of switched it and said the same thing as Bruce. And then Bruce was like, all right, go sit on the bench. And Tom went to go talk to him and said, Hey, you've got a terrible attitude right now. Get the F off the field. If you're going to be like this, we can win without you. And as soon as Brady said that Brady's the one that clicked everything for Antonio Brown to go mayhem the way that he did. And you saw the result of that. I still think it's hilarious. You see the Snapchat pictures of Antonio standing there waiting on an Uber or a Lyft right after the game or right at halftime or whatever. And, and then releasing um, a rap song. Yes. And then releasing a rap song. And then now he's gone on a podcast and said his side of the story. It, it was Brady that set off the alarm uh, for Antonio Brown to be the ticking time bomb that just happened to explode at that moment. Uh, but a lot of people didn't know it was Brady that said the words saying, hey, get off the field if you're not going to be a part of this team. And Antonio Brown took it and ran with it. Quite literally. The content that has come out of this, the sheer memes have been incredible. Insane. Uh, so he's suing Tampa Bay, right? Yes, that's what came out today. I don't know for how much, and I, like I said, I'm pretty sure it's defamation. But yeah, that's the that's the rumor. I'm not a lawyer, clearly. I don't know how Antonio Brown wins this, unless the Bucks just pay him to like go away. Basically, I don't really know. With all the stuff that we know, it's going to be very difficult for Brown to win a defamation case against Tampa Bay. I think. I, I think he's a little crazy. Well, he's not a little crazy. He's a lot of crazy. And I, I would agree with you, Josh. I don't think he's going to win this. From a quick speed read on uh, Fox 13 in Tampa, um, he's suing for defamation for the $200,000 that the Bucks promised to give him if he sought mental health, uh, saying that he doesn't need mental health, but he still needs the money. So that's why he is trying to do that. Plus a settlement of like one and a half million dollars or one and a half million dollars or, or something like that for the, for the bonus that he should have received. Yeah, just a casual 1.5 million. I mean, nice. for the Buccaneers ownership, that's like chump change, but sure. Sounds nice to me, fellas. I appreciate y'all hopping on this with me, Justin. Thanks for being here and, and joining. Oh the yeah. Fun. As always, we will do this. So, kind of thinking out loud i kind of think a mega episode for the super bowl and not mega as in like 
three hours long, but like lots of people. <laughs> I think it'd be fun to have like lots of people in like a Zoom call, everybody spewing out uh, their thoughts on the Super Bowl. Um, obviously, we'll do that Super Bowl week, not next week, because next week is Pro Bowl and, you know, Pro Bowl's lame, whatever. Who cares? Are we uh, also, fixing any, those or no? Yeah, we do need to talk about that. That's a future episode of fixing all the Pro League's All-Star games. Also, NHL All-Star games next weekend. Also, one quick side thing. Are we happy that Big Poppy made the Hall of Fame yesterday? And should he, he have been the only person that made it? I am very happy Poppy made it in. But if Poppy's in, Ortiz and Clement should be in. That's, I mean, mean, that is the gist of it. Yeah, excuse me. Bonds and Clemens should be in. Okay. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, But but in a way different. Um, I think uh, Major League Baseball got it right. I think uh, guys who use PED shouldn't be in unless brought in later by the era committee. But as a Braves fan, I'd love to see Andrew Jones get in. So uh, vote Drew next year. I don't have that much of a like affection towards Bonds and Clemens like that. So... I mean, I won't really speak on it. I'm happy Poppy got in. I've always loved him. So that's all I'll say. All right. That's all the time we have. Um, Fellas, thank y'all for joining me. I super appreciate it. We will do this again super soon. All right. Yep. Let's do it. Oh, boy. That's pretty much it for this episode. Man, it is a lot of work to edit two episodes in the span of like three days. I appreciate y'all tuning in this week to double the content, double the fun. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star rating, five-star review um, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're pretty much everywhere now. Follow us on Instagram at Dennis and Friends Pod for all all the podcast content that you need for your Instagram feed. Josh and Justin's Instagrams and Twitters and social medias and all that will be in the show notes if you want to look at that and follow them. You can from there and also my social media handles and website and all that fun stuff. Before we go, it's time for Listen to This. And for this episode, you should listen to the Rank Kings podcast. Okay, so these guys, um, it's hosted by... These two guys named Ty and Danny, um, they're friends of friends. I know about them through Discord, through my friends Brian and Tobin, and they have been doing a podcast for a little over a year now where they basically rank things, like rank pretty much anything that you can imagine, and it is awesome. I love listening to it every single week. They just put out an episode this week with my friend Tobin ranking the 10 best albums of 2021. So you should go listen to them. It's a really fun show, super laid back. They're really funny, and the chemistry that they have with each other is really, really cool. So go listen to them. It has been a crazy week, and life just keeps getting crazier and crazier, and I love it. I have to remind myself that I enjoy being busy. I'm not too busy, but I enjoy being, you know, active and doing something instead of, you know, sitting at home all day. So that's only going to continue. More fun episodes coming up on the way. But until then, y'all be good. Do good. And I'll catch y'all next time. Peace.